everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. That's a local news website, online newspaper, if you will, that covers Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour, Connecticut, in the great lower Naugatuck Valley. So my guest for this Naval Gazing is Valerie Knight Deganji. She's the program officer with the Valley Community Foundation, I interview her about a bunch of grants that are available to area nonprofits and beyond. So take a minute to listen. The Valley Community Foundation does a ton of good in our area. Then the second part of the broadcast, I thought I would play the audio from this week's Ansonia Tax Board meeting. There was a bit of a political squabble that broke out. I wrote a story on it. It's titled Political Spat Over Ansonia Tax Board's Composition. Basically, there were complaints from two Democrats from the audience who were listening on Zoom to this tax board meeting that the board is supposed to be seven members and it's only five, and that uh, there should be additional Democrats appointed to the board based on the city charter. And uh, the Democrats are right, from what I understand. There's more to it than that, but you're going to have to uh, listen. So, or read the story. Again, it's valleyindie.org if you want to check that out. So again, first half of this broadcast, Valerie Knight DeGanchi from the Valley Community Foundation. Second half of the broadcast, audio from Monday's Ansonia Tax Board. Hey, so like I said, joining me for this very special episode of Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast, is none other than... If you're a longtime Valley podcast listener, you're going to know this name and voice. It's Valerie Knight DeGanji. She's the program officer with the Valley Community Foundation in Derby. And she is here today, today to talk about grant opportunities available to Valley nonprofits from the VCF. How are you, Valerie? Well, Eugene, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And if people don't know, in my opinion, I know reporters aren't supposed to give opinions, but VCF is one of those backbone organizations of the Valley. They do so much and it's all for the, the greater good of the lower Naugatuck Valley and really beyond. So it's really my pleasure to have you back. Eugene, you just touched on one of the, the phrases in our tagline, which is for good forever for the Valley, right? And this is something that we have been honored to be able to support the Valley in so many different ways over the years. And, and, and again, part of the reason why I'm here today is to talk about how we can connect people who need grant funding with the grants that we have available through the Community Foundation. And we had been talking off camera right before I hit record, but let's start with the very basics of Valerie. What is the Valerie, the Valerie, sorry, I just named an organization after you. What is the VCF to people who may not know? You know, it's it's so funny. A lot somebody did that to me yesterday too. They called it the Valerie Community Foundation. I was like, wow, this is two days in a row, Eugene. Maybe this the planets are aligning somewhere and I, I need to hear something about that. But all kidding aside. 
the Valley Community Foundation's mission is to really help to support and make the Valley a better place for everyone who lives and works here. And, you know, to really continue to grow um, the endowment that we have in order to get funding out uh, to those who are in need all across the board, individuals, families, nonprofits, all of that to, to support all of the work that is done throughout the Valley in to make the Valley a better place. And from what I understand, the Valley Community Foundation is basically a major supporter. We're talking monetarily. Uh, groups, uh, including the uh, Online Journalism Project, which publishes my publication, come to the VCF, fill out applications, and uh, apply for grants. Is that essentially it in layman's terms? Absolutely. And, and let's talk about that right now. One of the, the major processes that we have is our responsive grants process, which we do in conjunction with, in partnership with our partner in philanthropy, the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. That process is open to nonprofits that are either here or serving people here in the Valley. And for this responsive grants process, as has been in the past couple of years due to the pandemic, our focus for responsive grants is on general operating support or GOS, as we call it. It is to help organizations like yours, like others in the Valley, to help do their job and to help keep the, the lights on and, and to keep all of the staff that they're working with and the clients that they're serving. The uh, grant is due on February 24th. The application is online. And if there are any questions, people can certainly reach out to me at any point um, through my email or, or to call the office and we will have some conversation about it. And for people not familiar, the website is valleyfoundation.org. I'm looking at it on my screen. This is audio only, but it's it's very easy to access. You go to valleyfoundation.org. You can click on impacting the valley right at the top, and there's apply for a grant. And then once you do that, it brings up all the different grants that are available, and there are a lot. And you said the responsive grants is the one we're talking about. And this is a multi-year one. What is there a, a, a maximum dollar amount? I, I, I sometimes get confused between Valley needs and opportunities and your responsive grants, which are two different uh, grant applications. Which one is responsive? These are uh, great questions, Eugene. So the responsive grant process, there is no limit. However, our average grant is somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000 per year. And as you've noted, it can be multi-year support. Typically, we would consider, you know, one, two or three years worth of support for an organization. So it is really all about, and we tell this for all of the grant processes, not just the responsive grant process, it is all about looking at your budget, how VCF might fit into your budget as a whole, and exactly asking for what you need right? So people often come and say, well, I should ask for this amount because I know I'm not going to get it and it'll, it'll be cut down. Absolutely not. We have made our grant process, especially the responsive grants in conjunction with the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, one that is truly responsive and reflective of the needs that an individual organization has. So the difference between responsive grants, which you have 
focused on. And then something else that you brought up, which is needs and opportunities, is that with our responsive grant process, there is a finite deadline. Um, the grants are due into the foundation by, as I said, February 2024. The needs and opportunities is a rolling grant application. It does have an upper limit of 250 to up to $10,000. And that, as I said, is rolling. It is something that any organization can apply to that they need a specific funding source for, for a need or an opportunity that has come up at their organization and that they really need to be able to have that smaller amount of money for that can help them with whatever that they are, are seeking that support for. And so the responsive grant, you've said several times, that's February 24th. People should uh, keep that in mind. This is like the Big Kahuna grant. This is one that could be over a, a few years. Big Kahuna, I'm, I'm, all right, that's not exactly a, a correct term, but it helps me uh, remember. So if I am a nonprofit, and maybe there's a new nonprofit out there that uh, isn't familiar with this process, and it's February 9th, and the application is due February 24th, what are some things they can do to prepare to apply? Where can they get information about, okay, what do I need for this? Is there a video I can watch? Is there anything like that out there? A how-to, I guess. Absolutely. We have been doing a series of technical assistance workshops for people and have been recording them, just as you're doing right now for your audience, right? So that people can gain access to that information, even if they weren't able to join us for the live presentation. So there are two up on the website right now, um, the Grant Seekers webinar and our Nuts and Bolts webinar. Grant Seeker has all of the information for all of the grant processes for both the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven and the Valley Community Foundation. It is more of a general overview of all of the offerings that, that we provide. The Nuts and Bolts, webinar is one that I did specifically with Jackie Downing from the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, where we go into a bit more detail about what we are looking for. We obviously are not giving people the exact answers to questions to, to um, put on their application and say, hey, this is what Jackie and Valerie have said and all good to go. This is, this is now why you should give us money, but more about um, what they can be thinking about as they're applying. So that gets to your question of what should I do? Where should I go? What are the resources that are available? One of the things that, that Jackie and I really try to do in Nuts and Bolts is to provide additional information, other links and other data sources that people can use to support the reason why they are coming to us for funding. And again, it's valleyfoundation.org. Anyone out there listening, that's where all this information uh, is available. Click around, you can find it. If I found it, you can find it, you know, because I'm, I'm sort of lost on the web all the time. So those are the two grants that, that I'm most familiar with, uh, Valerie, but I did notice, because it's been a while since you've been on this broadcast, it's been a while since I sort of went into the uh, VCF website, there are a lot of, of additional grants at this point. Uh, before we move on, is there anything else you wanted to say about the deadline coming up February 24th or anything else you want to stress about the responsive grant? I, I think that if anybody at this point is listening and they are considering applying for responsive grant, that the best information and the best advice I can give is twofold. 
One of them is to, is to work on the application sooner rather than later. Do not wait until the very last minute on the deadline day, because invariably, Eugene, as you can probably imagine, people are, are cranking on getting that application done, and then either their computer crashes or there's an internet issue or something happens, right? I mean, it's just technology in today's world. Um, so the sooner you can work on it, the better. And the other thing that I would say, and this is actually grant writing in general, is to have someone who is not close to the work that you do read your application. Because there's a lot of, of jargon that we in our individual nonprofit organizations use that is really very specific to the work that we do that someone who is out there and maybe reading this application and considering it for funding is going to say, what was that? I'm not really sure about what that alphabet acronym stood for, right? And, you know, the, the one thing to, to keep in mind, too, about responsive grants is that at this stage, this is a read-only process. So it's not like you're going to get a call from the Valley Community Foundation or the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven and say, hey, could you explain this a little bit more to us? Can you tell us what, what, is, what is up with that? Because, you know, again, we get so close to what we're doing we are, are oftentimes just going to gloss right over something that somebody may say, wow, that sounds pretty interesting, but it's not really coming across through what you have shared. So those are my kind of two bits of information before we move on to the other grants. And of course, people couldn't see, but I, I, I relate too well to if you leave it for the last second or you, you it's i mean it's not an overwhelming thing i don't want to scare people if you if you've never applied before but i mean in my case there might be uh information you need a tax form or something like that you need from another person and then it, that's where you start to you're better off if, if you're listening just start it right now how about and, and i was going to move on to some other uh, uh grants that i see are available but in terms of what happens when an organization hands in the grant February 24th? Who, uh, not specifically who, but who, who decides who gets what, for lack of a better question? It's a, a great question. So all of the applications are funneled into our joint portal that we share with the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. And the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven staff goes through, processes them all, separates them out into three categories. One category is totally Greater New Haven. One category is totally Valley. And then there are the organizations that serve both, right? We consider those to be partner organizations because they may serve individuals in both of our regions. And once that process is done, then it goes through an entire review process, Eugene, from, from basically the end of February until the grants are made in July. Uh, they are reviewed, they are vetted, they are um, just really gone through to see um, how they fit with the you know answers to the questions and and all of that and then um, the analysis are are provided of analysis are written of of those applications they are provided to the respective boards the valley Com community foundation bcf board 
or the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven TCF board, right? And um, then there is a lot of deliberation that goes on on both sides for the board and the board makes the final recommendation this year, it will be in July. In July, and again, I don't mean to keep saying, but valleyfoundation.org uh, for people. Now, I remember last year, I think it was, Valerie, there was talk, maybe it was at the uh, annual meeting of either uh, the New Haven Foundation or the Valley Foundation, but there was, uh, there was a push this year, a specific mission from what I remember to touch upon and fund things that promote equity uh, in the Naugatuck Valley and beyond. Can you talk about that a little bit if you're willing? Absolutely, and, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. So there are several new grants that we are sharing with the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, and I'm gonna kind of go through them one by one. The first one is the Racial Equity and Creative Healing Through the Arts or REACH program. Um, that grant is available for between 5,000 and 20,000 per year for two years. Um, that grant just came out, um, on the application came out on February 7th, and it's due on May 2nd, right? And it will be reviewed um, by um, an arts uh, council, uh, not an arts council, an, a, a committee that is comprised of, of artists um, who will be able to weigh in on on each of the grants that are submitted and then make recommendations to both VCF and TCF about um, which should be funded. There is also something called the BIPOC, which is the um, Black Indigenous People of Color cohort. Um, there is money available for individuals for up to $15,000 a year for two years to participate in a unique leadership program that is focusing on developing leadership skills for people of color. And there's a whole um, part um, that is uh, working um, in conjunction with the University of Connecticut. It's up on um, both of our websites, so you can certainly feel free to get some more information about that. It is specifically for nonprofit professionals of color, both in Greater New Haven and the Valley. And um, the other program that is that we've actually been working on for the last couple of years and have, have included an equity focus in is our consultant support program. And what that is, is to build capacity for an organization for a very um, small and finite project and includes some work on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, or DEI and B. Those are the acronyms. See, we have all of them, those acronyms, whatever um, field that we are in. Um, that is available, again, for organizations that are starting to work on their DE and I and B um, exploration, their journey. It may be um, to fund a consultant to come in and, and to work with them about their board or their staff or their hiring or lots of different issues, right? And the consultant support program in general has provided tremendous amount of capacity building over the last couple of years for organizations, both in Greater New Haven and the Valley, to be able to, um, you know, just give, as I said, that finite support. Uh, there are a group of consultants that are working with um, both of our foundations that have been willing to um, work for a set 
uh, hourly rate, and we can provide you know, between 10 and 15 hours worth of support for a consultant to come in. We're not going to have them come in and do your entire strategic plan or redo your website. But if there is some piece that an organization really needs, either with capacity building or the equity issue, that's a great program for them to apply to. Yeah, it's very interesting to see uh, Valley Community Foundation and the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven expand and get into the, these different areas is definitely something new and people should check out valleyfoundation.org. Uh, the other thing, Valerie, I wanted to ask about, we had done a bunch of recordings during this pandemic, which I think it started in like 1909. It feels like we've been in this for a thousand years. But one of the concerns or one of the issues at the very start of the pandemic was the impact. I mean, obviously there were many, many, many issues, but specifically, on nonprofits, annual meetings, fundraisers, all those things were canceled. So groups that were already struggling had revenue streams uh, cut off. Then they had extra costs because of having to deal with the pandemic. And, and you as somebody who has their finger on the pulse of nonprofits in the lower valley, how are we doing? You know, Eugene, we it's it's been this, as you know, and this has been life in general for all of us for the last two, almost, you know, starting into this third year of the pandemic. It, it's there's been ebbs and flows, right? There has been times when we've said, "Hey, we're we're making headway and we're we're doing really great," and then boom, you know, a variant comes up or something comes up to to kind of put a kibosh on some of the, the events that, again, were, were planned, replanned, and it, it's been challenging. But I think that one of the things that has been just so apparent over the last several years is actually what the theme of our last year annual report and annual meeting was, which is the year of resilience, right? And I think that resilience continues today. People are just so committed to making sure that no one is falling through the cracks in the valley. The nonprofits and the healthcare workers, the emergency um, folks, everybody, and it's just working so hard to ensure that those safety nets are, are, are being held together. And, and we have been so fortunate to work uh, with the nonprofits to listen to what their needs are, to listen to what the clients' needs are out in the community, and really help to provide that funding support so that they can continue to do their work. And, and you know, one of the things that, that we are so excited about this year, and I haven't touched on yet, is um, our, the I don't want to say expansion of, but certainly our community grants program, which is really geared to organizations that are not nonprofit, are not 501c3 by the tax code, uh, are folks that are doing really awesome work in their neighborhood to make the Valley a better place. And there is funding available through the community grants program for organizations who have either two or less full-time equivalent employees that are volunteer-based, that are really kind of grassroots, that are, are banding together and just saying, hey, we're in this together. We want to continue to make the Valley a better place. 
and let's do some great work. We have up to $2,500 available in the community grants program. It is due, again, that has a deadline. It is due on March 4th. The application is up on our website. And to make it even more accessible this year, we've eliminated the budget form. You just need to come up with, show us on an Excel spreadsheet what your budget is for that and how you can use um, that money to help make the Valley even stronger. So. You know, I think one of the things and one of the things that I can share in general is that people are just even as tired and, and as, you know, maybe as, as frustrated as they have been about the pandemic, that there is a hope and a resilience. And if that's one message I can share out with everybody, it's that that is absolutely alive and well here in this region. Yeah, and I did hear we're recording this on Wednesday, February 9th. So today is the first day of the legislative session up in Hartford at our state capitol. And I heard that TEAM is going to be specifically mentioned, TEAM Inc., which is a community action agency and does a ton of good here in the lower Naugatuck Valley, is going to be specifically mentioned, I, I guess, in, somehow, in some way uh, today. So good for them. And they're an example of, of heroes and resilience and everything you just talked about. And I know you work hand in hand a lot of times with David Morgan and the whole crew over there. Uh, Absolutely. Team. And, and you know, the, the work that they have done with providing childcare and, and energy assistance, and now it's tax season, tax assistance to, to people who need it. And certainly with housing and, and, you know, everything else that they do, they do such an amazing job as do all of the nonprofits in the Valley. They are just so hardworking and abs, you know, kudos to David and, and his team at team and, and to all of the nonprofits here in this region that, you know, are really banding together that are, are seeing ways that they can not only do their individual work, but can collaborate in order to share resources, be as cost effective in the work that they do. And we certainly applaud that and, and look at that to, to show how we how the dollars that we can get out as a foundation can help support those efforts. You know, I, I realize I'm skipping all over the place, but I wanted to also plug really quickly people if you're listening to this please follow the valley community community foundation on facebook because i love your facebook page because like i said this is definitely one of the backbone organizations in the valley and the facebook page is very informative if you want to know what the vcf does and the, the type of uh, funding streams uh, that are available it's a good job there it's it's uh, and it's interesting because a lot of it is you're talking about uh, the funds where some of these grants come from you get the stories behind the families from here in the valley that created these funds and as someone i mean i've lived up here i think now for 20 years at this point which makes me brand new of course uh the history is really something so people should follow uh vcf on facebook now, is there anything else, Valerie, that we haven't touched upon that you want to stress before we call it a day here on Naval Gazing the Valley Indie podcast? The last uh, grant process that I, I have not yet shared, Eugene, and I think it's important because as you talked about this before of, of events being canceled, is our sponsorship um, category. We, if, if you are having an event and you are doing it either online or in person in the coming months ahead, 
uh, we would hopefully ask that you would submit the application if you know when your event is going to be at least 60 days in advance to give us some time to review it and, and to explore it. But again, there is funding available through that. And uh, last but not least, we have partnered, as you know, with the Valley United Way, the Valley Chamber, and the Valley Council for Health and Human Services to put together the Valley uh, Community, the Valley Response and COVID Response and Recovery Fund. It is such a mouthful. I never get it right ever. The COVID so Fund. I apologize. Yeah, you know, COVID. It's the COVID-19 Response fund and Recovery. Yeah, yeah. There yep. you go. Thank yep. you, Eugene. <laughs> and um, basically, there is still funding available for organizations that are impacted by COVID-19. The focus right now is on vac vaccination awareness, vaccination support. Um, but if there is something, a, a new need that uh, your organization has come up with that is related specifically to pandemic uh, response and recovery, please get in touch with us because we are considering those on a case-by-case -case basis as well. So those are the two other grant opportunities that are available. The um, COVID response and recovery grant is also on a rolling basis. And um, as Eugene has said, I can't thank all of the donors to that fund, to all of the, the funds that we have at BCF enough for believing in us, trusting us with the, the um, obviously getting all of this funding out to people who really need it the most. And, and it really speaks volumes that um, there are just so many people out there who have given so generously of their time and self. And soon, Eugene, as you know, um, the great give is right around the corner. And um, I, even though it's not specifically about grants, the money that comes in the door helps us get more grants out the door to help those um, in need. So, you know, keep that in mind. And I know Eugene does a fabulous job with a great give every year. And um, so those are, those are my two things. Thank you to everyone who is supporting the Community Foundation, the nonprofits, all of the, the work that is going on with the emergency services people and the healthcare workers here in the Valley, you all are doing an amazing job and we're so, so very fortunate and blessed to be partnering with you. And thank you to Eugene for having me on. Oh no, it's my pleasure. I mean, anytime. And uh, just if anybody doesn't know, the Great Gives, a 36 hour fundraiser usually happens in early May and it's, you can support the nonprofit uh, of your choice. Uh, in the lower Naugatuck Valley and beyond. It's really grown into something that's huge and it's and it's just a lot of fun too. I really love the the great give. So, all right, Valerie, I wanna thank you so much for, for coming on the broadcast and please don't hesitate to reach out anytime the Valley Indy can help spread the word because the organization does a lot of good. So thank you. Thanks, Eugene. Okay, like I said, VCF does a ton of good in the Naugatuck Valley, that fact cannot be denied. Second half of this broadcast, so I covered a meeting the other night, I believe it was Monday, whatever day that was, I'm recording this February 9th. It was the Ansonia Tax Board, you know, the Board of Apportionment and Taxation. I wrote a story, if you go to valleyindy.org and check out the homepage, political spat over Ansonia Tax Board's composition. My first paragraph read, the two city Democrats said the composition of the city's tax board violates the Ansonia City Charter, while a Republican alderman 
said the problem is that Democrats don't want to get involved. So that sets the plate for the story, sets the table, I guess, is the better expression. And this is the audio from that meeting. I think it's about eight minutes long, just the public session where this debate to, I mean, a limited debate breaks out about the composition of the Ansonia tax board, just playing it as a source material for a story I wrote. And uh, other than that, I will talk to you next week. Okay. Public session. Anybody from the public wishing to speak? Anyone from the public wishing to speak? Final call. Mr. Cassetti, I have my hand up. I'm sorry. I didn't know you wanted that verbally. My apologies on that one. Go right ahead. Who's speaking? Thank you. Um, John, I'm sorry. Go ahead. John Fettern, 63 Hubble Avenue. Okay. Um, Board of Enforcement and Taxation is one of the most important boards that the city can have. Um, and the membership should be representative of the city at large and be apolitical in the best interest of its residents. According to the city charter, section 38, the Board of Apportionment and Taxation is to consist of seven members appointed by the mayor and with the approval of the Board of Aldermen. Those seven members are supposed to be divided equally between the two leading political parties and include at least one affiliate, unaffiliated voter. And all vacancies on the board are supposed to be filled from the political party which the vacancy occurs by nomination by the mayor and confirmation by the Board of Aldermen. Currently, the City Ansonia website lists seven members currently on the BOAT. The five in today's rolls call, Michael Smirznak and Domenico Filippone. However, per the minutes of every meeting since April last year, there have been only five members included in the roll call, indicating that these men are no longer part of the board. So of the five members that are included in the roll call, there are currently three Republicans, one Democrat, and one whose affiliation is not indicated, uh, which is not really germane to this discussion. Um, so I have the following questions for the board. Um, are there indeed only five boat members? Are Mr. Smirznak and Mr. Philippone still members of the board or not, as indicated on the city website? If there are only five members, why haven't the vacancies been filled since they became vacant last year? Under the current composition, those seats are to be filled by Democrats, according to the charter, and no one from the administration has reached out to the Democratic Town Committee for recommendations, as is the normal procedure. We would be eager to provide said recommendations to the mayor to get the board back to seven members. Um, and I, I assume that you are, but I just wanted to ask if this board was comfortable operating, knowing that it is in violation of the city charter. It's supposed to have seven members and you have five. So I wanted to throw that out to you and see if there was any response. Other question. It sounds like that should be a uh, question that's given to the board of aldermen, no? I mean, we can answer the, the one, but... That's, that's a question about boat pertaining to the city charter. Boat deals with budgetary items, uh, financial items. So that's not a budgetary or financial item. So I don't think that's something we can answer. That'd have to go to the alderman, right? Mm. Yeah. So there it is. If I may follow up, can you at least confirm that the five people on this call and the roll call are are the only five members of vote. I think you guys could do that probably for me. Hey, Mr. Chairman, it's Alderman Malone. If I could just remind you, public session is not a question and answer session. Thank you. Hmm. Okay, is there anything else? Well. 
Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Federn. Is there anyone else wishing to speak? Mr. Uh, yeah, speak. I'd like to speak actually. This is all Dan King. Mr. King, go ahead. Um, in, re in regards to the membership of BOAT, we have had a lot of people from Democratic Party in town just constantly oppose everything that's been done. But very few have actually offered their services as far as becoming members, serving on different boards. They all want to be top management. They want to be aldermen. They want to be mayor. They want to be everything. So when we go to fill these lower positions, which are very important because it's in the chain of command, we're just not seeing it. So if anybody, if a Democrat in this town has the will and the, and the desire to serve, let it be known. I said it when I was chairman of BOAT uh, several times. I actually specifically asked civic leaders and people and many Democrats who are outspoken. I asked if they'd like to join. They always declined. So I find it funny that people are saying, well, there's not Democratic representation, but nobody from the Democratic side has offered their services. These positions are open and we would welcome their help. I don't think anybody on the board of aldermen would not approve their position if they came forward and said they wanted to help. So who wants to take these two positions? Please submit your name, your information, and your ability, your time to do this rather than just complain about it. Thank you. Dan, just one quick note. I know most of us know who you are, but I didn't hear um, your address for the public record, if you wouldn't mind just stating it for the record. Dan King. Dan, are you still there? Well, we know where his address is anyway. But I have it. Cool. I can include it. I know. I like to be technical. <laughs> Okay, let me make sure I'm not. Anybody else from the public wishing to speak? Mr. Sutton, I'd like to speak. Uh, name, address? Sure, Brian Perkins, 6 West Road. Okay. So uh, just a couple things to go off of uh, what Alderman King had to say. Um, you know, as the interim chairman of the NCAA DTC, we have several members that are interested in joining BOAT. Um, and, and actually getting the, the board to being in line with the charter and being legal by the charter standards. Um, so, you know, whatever means we have to go through to, to get those people um, in front of the mayor, so to speak, uh, we're more than happy to help and I'm more than happy to get those people in front of the mayor. Um, and also I'd like to uh, touch on Alderman Moan's comments as he's not a appointed official of both, so he should not be speaking. Um, outright and telling you guys how to do your job at this kind of meeting. I feel like that's very inappropriate. Uh, furthermore, I do have a question. Uh, I guess it's not a Q&A session. But... For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. 